Amen. That right there, that was a whole lot of fun to watch Brother Andrew. <laughs> Say, why? Because normally that's me. See, that was me at Youth Ablaze. That was me doing So I was much happier that he was doing that, and I wasn't. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. Praise the Lord for a marvelous Savior. And this morning we're we're, uh, continuing a series that I started a couple weeks ago. We started uh, two weeks ago. We did the importance of the Bible. Why did God give us a Bible? Why do we have it? Why do we read it? Why do we study it? Why do we have it accessible to us and freely given to us? Uh, Why is it that we have prayer? That was last week, the importance of prayer. Why is prayer important in the life of a Christian? In our lives, why does it matter whether we pray or we don't pray? God knows everything we need. What does it matter if we pray or don't pray? Uh, Doesn't he already know? And so, uh, praise the Lord, last week we covered why prayer is important and why it ought to be important in your life. And this morning, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23, we're going to continue and we're going to talk about the importance of the church. And so, verse number 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Praise the Lord, he's faithful. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now here, uh, we start here and ultimately his statement is forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. When the church is called together, when the congregation is called together, uh, that is supposed to be a place where we don't forsake. We don't leave that off. Uh, that's the admonition here. and We're supposed to provoke one another to good works. We're also supposed to exhort one another to stay in that fellowship. Now, uh, there's a couple things I would need to say here to preface everything. Uh, Pastor Legault mentioned it this morning in Sunday school about how you and I are the house of God now. We're the temple of the living God, and so uh, the idea that you get into this world now is, and Christianity has allowed it to permeate, uh, is the idea, well, I'm, uh, you know, God's in me, and so I can just have church by myself. Well, that's not an assembling together. Uh, That just doesn't work. That's foolishness. Well, I don't need a church. You're going to find out here in a little bit you need a church. Uh, You're going to find out here in a little bit that uh, just because you are the temple of the living God, and I believe that, the Lord, if you're saved in here this morning, you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. His promise is that He would be in you, and He would be with you, and He would have all those peace. That's all part of salvation. But standing alone does not work so well. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. The second thing I need to say is, I do believe in a universal church, what we call a universal church. Now, uh, by the way, uh, the idea of terms and definitions show up when you use that word. Uh, You get some former Catholics that are in here this morning, and they heard the words universal church, and they think of it the way that a Catholic would think of it. Uh, If you think of it that way, that's not a universal church. That's not what I mean. Uh, What I mean by the statement of a universal church is that if you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if He is your Savior, what you have been taken care of is, uh, you've taken care of your eternity, and the Lord has put you in what is called the body of Christ. And that body is a church. He calls it a church. Uh, The body, the church. We'll get there here in a moment. You'll see the reference in Acts chapter 20 uh, that we'll go to, but 
He has purposely put us all into one body. We are all one body and we have one spirit. We are one calling and all the things and it's all part and together. And so by the idea of a universal church, I don't mean you have to join a Baptist church or you have to join this particular church or anything like that. It is that if you've saved, you're saved and you're born again, you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's forgiven you of all of your sins. You are part of the church. Corporate. All around the world, whoever's got Christ has, and they're part of it. But the Lord not only deals with a universal, a, a full body of believers, but he pictures that body right here in our local assembly. And this morning, I'm not talking about the universal side. I'm going to talk about the, the benefits of the local church. Why did God put a church close to you so that you could attend and you could be a part of and that's what's important. Now, uh, if you were to go to Luke chapter 4, we won't just say good time. If you'd like to, you could look at it. Uh, verse number 16 is the verse. The Lord has been tempted early in the chapter by the devil. The devil comes, right, and uh, shows up, and he tempts the Lord after he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. The devil shows up, and when the devil shows up, the Lord deals with him and gives him scripture, scripture, scripture. The devil leaves, and the Lord shows up at Jerusalem. You know what he's doing? He goes into the synagogue. On the Sabbath day, verse 16. You know what it says about that? It says it as was his custom. Church was accustomed to Jesus Christ. Your Savior was, his custom was, it's the Sabbath day. You know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to be at the synagogue. I'm supposed to be in church. All right? Uh, that's just how Jesus Christ was. And as your Savior, maybe you ought to, you know, follow him. Maybe that would be a good plan. Uh, look over at Acts chapter 20. I'd like you to turn there. Acts chapter 20. Jesus Christ's custom was uh, nobody had to ask the Lord where he was going to be. <laughs> what did they know? Well, they knew he was going to the synagogue. It was a Sabbath day. I hope that's the same for you. Now, I'll get into some more of that here in just a moment. Uh, but you get to verse number 28 here of Acts chapter 20. And the admonition comes out. He says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, that covers the universal church, right? Didn't he purchase you with his own blood? Uh, and anybody else on the planet that asks him, he's purchased them. Uh, the payment's been made at Calvary to pay the debt of the sins of the whole world. He gave his life a ransom for many. He died not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus Christ gave his life, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed at Calvary's cross, laid down his life for us, that payment paid for anybody who wants it. Whosoever will, let him come, take a drink of the water of life freely. It's an open invitation for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God shed his blood to make a payment for your sins so he made it available to everyone because everyone's a sinner and anybody who wants it can take the payment. The payment is there, it's available and it's a free gift given from God. And you accept that gift and you know what you become? You become part of the church. 
But not only that, he purposely is making a statement here and he's talking to the ones that are preaching. And he tells them, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Uh, I am not responsible for people who are not part of this flock. I'm not preaching to them every week. I'm not trying to deal with them personally. They have no idea who I am. I have no idea who they are. I'm not responsible for another man's work. (laughs) But this one I am. Uh, I'm responsible for what I preach and what I teach and what I say and how I do. And I ought to be. I ought to be accountable for those things. Take heed. That's what I'm supposed to do. Supposed to pay attention to how I do those things. Over what? Over the church of God. That's a local assembly now. It's down to the local body of believers who are getting together and they are gathering. And although it is a full picture to the universal church, it now comes down to here. And it comes down to the ones that I'm supposed to look over and the flock that I have in front of me. You currently are the assembly that is here for the church. And it it goes to both. It pictures to both. And so he's dealing and he wants to make sure. So then the question comes, well, does it really matter if I only show up every once in a while? I can just meet whenever I feel. Is Easter and Christmas good enough? Can't I just do that? All right, well, you know, I mean, I'm here most Sunday mornings. Doesn't that work? I mean, why do we even have an evening service? Why do we have so many services? I mean, you've got Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You can come on Friday for Hope and Youth Group and all the other. Why do we have so many services? You mean I should be? If I go to all of them, don't I feel like I'm at church all the time? I have a reply to that one little statement right there because I just can't resist. When is being in church a bad thing? Why does that suddenly become negative? Like, oh, wouldn't I feel like I was worshiping God all the time? That's terrible. You really mean I should go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, prayer meeting on Wednesday, and that when Brother Fielder comes here next month or in, in May, I should be at all those services? When we have the in-house revival meeting at the end of the month, I should be at all those services. I mean, what does it matter? It's just our guys preaching. So I'd never say that. Probably not out loud. Oh, what's the point of going tonight? I mean, okay. So what's wrong with that mentality? What's wrong with that mentality is it's not biblical mentality. You realize that the Lord cared enough about the church that in verse number 28, He purchased it with His own blood. It matters enough to the Lord Jesus Christ that He cared about showing up to the synagogue as His custom was on the Sabbath day when He was supposed to be there. It was so important to him that he had the Apostle Paul pen there in the book of Hebrews. Uh, hey, guess what? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. 
Well, yeah, but does it really matter that the church is here? Can we just go online? I said it. Uh, and I meant it. Oh, can't I just have virtual church and everything will be the same? Uh, real quick, I'm just going to back you up two years. I'm going to ask you a real quick question. Was it the same going to church and watching it on TV when we had to do that during COVID? How many of you, some of you weren't even in the area, all right? Uh, how many of you remember the first service we had back in this building right here? You remember the singing? You remember, we had Brother Spurgeon come in that year in June. First big set of meetings we had after we got back in. Brother Spurgeon comes in about a month and a half, something like that, after we started meeting. That was some of the best meetings we've ever had. And it had nothing to do with Brother Spurgeon. It had everything to do with the desire of people to want to be in the building. And I think oftentimes Christians forget the necessity of being together and meeting together, and assembling together. Now, there are plenty of reasons, and I'm going to have a word of prayer and we'll get in, but uh, there are plenty of reasons why the church ought to be important to you and why it's important to the one who died and gave his life so that we could have it. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll cover those this morning, and I'll remind you of why it's important to be in church. Father, I thank you for the night or the day. Lord, I do pray you would. Father, bless our time as I, as I preach. Give me clarity of thought and mind. Help me to... Father, set aside anything that could distract me and help me just to say what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less. Father, that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up. And Father, you'd be able to speak to hearts. You'd get me out of the way that it would be just purely you. And Lord, we pray you would bless our day. I pray if someone here has never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray they'd call upon Jesus Christ today. Lord, if those who have uh, been kind of on the edge, Lord, whether they think church is important enough to be at and they maybe have come in this morning, and Lord, they haven't made church a priority. I pray they'd make church a priority. And Lord, we do pray you would bless our time together. We love you, and we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, turn, over, turn just a few chapters back here. Acts chapter 5, if you would. Acts chapter 5. You get, you get to the early part of the church. You get to the early part of the church here in Acts chapter 5. Now they've just been, right, they've been brought in, they've been beaten, they've been, they've been released, <laughs> they've been told they can't preach in that name anymore, you know, chapter 5. And you get to verse number 42, while well, verse number 41, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Uh, earlier... He added to the church daily such as should be saved. Uh, repeatedly, you, you say, what's the, what's the church for? Why is the church important? Well, it's a place you find out about the, about the Savior. It furthers the gospel. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe the primary function of a church service is for sinners to come to a Savior. That's not the primary function. So why? Because the church is coming together to meet as the church. But one of the great 
one of the great functions is you start hearing about Jesus and what great things the Lord hath done for everybody else. It is natural that if a lost man, if someone who has never accepted Christ comes in, they start hearing about what Jesus has done and how amazing Jesus Christ is and how he died for him. And we get bragging about how good he is and how amazing he has been to us. It is a natural reaction for them to go, who's that guy you're talking about? Wait, wait, what did he do? Wait, you mean he died for everybody? Wait a minute, you mean that although I'm a sinner and I have failed and I have fallen short and that there is no reason that I should get into a sinless heaven because I am a sinner, I have told a lie. You know, most people don't realize one lie doesn't let them into heaven now. You're exempted from going into heaven just for telling one lie. You say, where do you get that? Revelation chapter 21. You get, to the end, you get to the end, right? He describes the new Jerusalem. Everything is amazing. He's wiping away all tears from their eyes. He goes ahead and he's walking you right down through the city. He gets to the end and he says, and nothing defiling shall enter in. Anything dirty and tainted can't get in. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination. Well, that's not me. I mean, I'm not abominable. I mean, I'm not wicked. I mean, I'm not Hitler. Or maketh a lie. Oh. You're not Hitler, but you told a lie. You told one. You say, what does that make me? That makes it so you're unfit because you're defiled. One lie makes you a liar. That makes you defiled. And if God let you into heaven, he would no longer be just and righteous. And so you know what he said? Uh, I died for the sins of the whole world. I'll give you a free gift. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says that he will forgive. The Bible says that he will ensure that you have salvation promised if you'd call upon him. He'd exchange your sinfulness for his righteousness and go ahead and give you, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Our good work, good works does not get you into heaven. It, it does not get you in. We can go ahead and fill the baptistry up. We can go ahead and dunk you 20 times. It wouldn't make any difference. We can go, you can go ahead and try and turn over a new leaf and do all those kind of things. But he didn't do, you know what he did? He purchased it with his own blood. He paid the debt of all of our sins at Calvary. A lot of people, they get into church, and you know what we do? We teach and we preach about Jesus and how amazing He has been and how He will save to the uttermost all them that will call upon Him. You want salvation? You just trust in Him. And we preach it and we talk about it and we mention it and we go ahead and we keep doing it. And you know what happens? Eventually, we've seen it here over and over again. And praise the Lord, I hope we don't ever stop seeing it. But people walk an aisle and go, hey, I've never accepted Christ. They go ahead and they raise a hand or they go ahead and come down and let us know. And we go ahead and open a Bible and show them the scriptures about what great things the Lord had done to make sure they don't spend eternity in a lake of fire burning forever. And Jesus Christ paid your debt and you can trust Jesus. You can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And we go ahead and we turn those pages and we show them and they pray and they ask the Lord to save them. Praise the Lord that happens. That's part of the function. That's why we meet. Could you imagine if you invited a lost person to a service and you said, hey, you ought to come to my church and you ought to hear the preach and you ought to just kind of come and see. It's something like you've probably never seen before. And they show up and you're not there. Because you didn't care about coming to church that morning. 
Now, I get it. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we're, we get called in or whatever. I understand that. And, and the devil would love to try and slide in that way and try and get to you. But could you imagine if you just went, I'm going to sleep in this morning. And your visitor showed up. And they start looking around for you. And they go, boy, you know. The ushers in the back, you know, they do a pretty good job of making sure they catch everybody coming in, try and say hello to people and make sure, hey, are you looking for somebody? And they go, well, yeah, I'm looking for so-and-so. And, and they go, oh, I, uh, I hadn't seen them this morning. Now you just put the ushers in a weird position. Why? Because they don't know where you are. They look around and, well, why didn't it matter to them to come to church this morning? when they wanted me to be in church this morning. Didn't that make a poor sound to a sinner's ears? Well, you want to see them saved, praise the Lord. If you're inviting people, you know what happens? Maybe you ought to be here. Be here. To do what? To ensure that they have somebody that they know sitting right there. Being able to say, hey, uh, yep, I'm here. I love, I love being here. I love the preaching. I love, amen, he's doing right. And you can help them understand what's being said. You know, most people, the first time they walk in the doors of a church, they have no idea what a Bible is. I don't know. I said Acts. Most people, if they haven't been in church at all, they don't know where that is. They're, hopefully, they turn to the table of contents and they try to get there. Whether they're saved or lost, a lot of people, they just they haven't been in church very long. They don't understand. They don't know. Not a big deal. Everybody was that way. Everybody was that way. Some of us got a great advantage growing up in church because we got to go to Sunday school and we got to learn Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and we know all the books of the Bible, even on those little tiny minor prophets. We can go ahead and we know where Micah is. All right, we know where Habakkuk is. We know all those little places. And some people, they didn't have that benefit. They got saved later in life. They didn't know. They had to learn it. Uh, just like some of you had to learn it. Just like some of you are still trying to learn it, amen? Uh, and if I were to say a couple of those names, you go, I don't know where that is, but I know it's in these little ones. Let me keep turning until I find it. That's fine. So what's that a part of? That's part of what I'm about to talk about. That's part of our learning. It's the furtherance of the gospel to find someone and find someone, bring them in. They can call upon Jesus Christ because they may not hear about Jesus out there very much, but they'll hear about him in here. I praise the Lord, Pastor Legault has made it a point, and I've continued to make it a point, and I don't like to go through a service, even on a Wednesday night, without mentioning Jesus and what great things he's done, and talk about salvation for a moment, to give a lost sinner a chance to hear about Jesus Christ and the salvation he provided at Calvary. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 28, because I could preach on this for a long time. Matthew chapter 28, familiar spot, familiar. Familiar. Um, I don't rightly know that I need to go anywhere unfamiliar to you this morning to let you understand that God has His church set up because it's important to Him. It's important to Him. He loved it enough to die for it. Uh, you get to Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even on to the end of the world. Amen. 
Uh, not only does it further the gospel, but you get to find out about the scriptures. Teaching them to observe all things. Realize how many verses are on teaching in the New Testament? There's a lot of teaching happening in the New Testament. So what are they learning? They're learning the scriptures. They're learning about what God says about things. Uh, so why do I come to church? Why is Sunday school important? Why does it matter if I come to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Because over and over again, you know what you're getting? You're getting more time to learn. You're getting more time to learn. Right? We go over to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. You don't have to turn there. Right? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. It is natural for you to want to be in church after you get saved. It's natural to want to be in and start learning and start getting information to help you grow as a Christian. You've started a brand new life. Well, what do I do now? Well, you come to church. That'd be a good start. That'll be a good start. We do discipleship here. We do personal one-on-one discipleship. We do it in families. We may end up doing it in some groups at times. We've done that before. Uh, But we do those things. Why? So that people can learn. They can ask questions. Uh, During preaching time is not the time to ask questions. It's just not. Uh, You say, why? Because we've got a train of thought. We've got all these things. You hang on to those questions. You ask them later. Feel free. Talk to Pastor Lego all you want to. You can ask him whatever. (laughs) I thought in Sunday school he was going to bust out the old classic, look it up. And instead he said, ask Pastor Kenny. I mean, honestly, I'm like... That was a good look em up verse, man. And he didn't do it. And uh, instead he threw me under the bus. All right. Uh, we love to, uh, Pastor Lego and I both, we love, we love it when people ask questions. That doesn't bother us. I'm not bothered if you ask me a question. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Or, hey, where'd you get that? Or, hey, wh- what is this about? I, you said this. Is that what you meant to say? Because sometimes we say things and we didn't realize we said it quite that way. And so it's good to ask. And maybe I'll get up here and I'll go, hey, I didn't mean to say it quite this way. If you mistook that, this is what I meant. And lay it right back out. That doesn't bother me. You aren't going to insult me by coming up to tell me that I said something and you didn't think it was quite the right way to say it. I mean, take it easy on me. Don't hurt me too bad, but you know. Because the object is to learn. It's teaching. He says in Hebrews chapter 5 that you have need that one teach you again. When you're supposed to be teachers, you need, need one to teach you again because when you're supposed to be able to have strong meat because that belongs to them or full age, you're back to milk again. So what happened? They got out from under the teaching. They didn't stick around to do what they were supposed to do and learn what they were supposed to learn. Instead, it was the time they're supposed to be teaching, but instead... I can't, you can't even handle to do that. You're back to milk. You're back to doing those first things again because you didn't continue to grow and continue to do. You stunted your growth by what? By forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll go there later, uh, but Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about he gave some pastors and teachers. By the way, those go together. I think those go in the same office. Pastors and teachers. I think a good pastor ought to be a good teacher. Be apt to teach. That's part of his qualifications. Uh, if he's unwilling to teach, he's not, he's not a very good pastor in my opinion. So I don't agree with that. Okay, well, the Bible agrees with me. So that's what I've got. 
He's supposed to be a teacher. He's supposed to be apt to teach, and he is supposed to be part of the teachers. He ought to be able to explain to you why he says what he says and what he's doing. The church is a wonderful place to learn why we do what we do. That's actually part of the reason I'm preaching this series is because people don't understand, well, why do I have a Bible? Why is it important that I read it? I mean, you tell us all the time, read your Bible, memorize the Bible, study the Bible. Why does it matter? Well, this is, that's why I'm doing this. Why? Because it lets you understand why God put all these pieces in place for you. And it's important to have. He says in Acts chapter 8, right, you've got the Ethiopian eunuch shows up. Philip joins himself, and there they are in Acts chapter 8, and they're right together. And Philip walks up, and he says, uh, I think it's around verse 30, 31. He walks up to the chariot, he says, hey, uh, understandest thou what thou readest out of the book of Isaiah? What's the eunuch's reply? How can I? Except some man should guide me. I guess verse 31. How can I? You ever start, you ever start trying to figure out how to read a Bible? <laughs> you remember back then? Some of you have been saved for a while. You remember when you first started trying to figure out how to read? Or you first came to a church service, somebody was preaching, and you're like, I got nothing. I don't know what in the world they just said. A uh, couple, couple of the teens went to, that went to Youth Ablaze this year, they went last year, and they, they talked about this year. They went, last year was a blur. I got like nothing. I didn't know what was happening. And part of that was they've never been to something like that. There's a ton of people. There's a ton of things. The guy's up there. Everybody's loud. We're singing. Everybody's exhausted. You don't know what's happening. Like, it's confusion. And it feels like confusion. <laughs> and then once you're in it, the second year, they, both, they all said, hey, I, I got way more out of the preaching this year. I got way more out of the services. Uh, there was growth in between last year and this year. That's part of what that was. You ever notice that in a church service, you aren't, you've been saved, you've been coming for a while. The longer you come, the less confused you feel. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, that lines up with that. He said that before, and, he, and I remember reading that somewhere. And, yeah, I might not be able to pull that verse out, but he said, I remember that verse over there. I read that before. And what, what are you doing? You're growing, and you're growing as you look into the Scriptures. And somebody has to guide, because if you're left to yourself... So you know what's good? It's good to come to church and sometimes, you know what you'll hear? You'll hear somebody say something from a pulpit. One of the guys preaching. One of the men will be up there preaching and they'll say something and all of a sudden you'll go, oh, I thought that meant that. And now you take a second look and you go, oh, I was, I was off. I missed that. I missed these verses over here because you don't know the entirety. I don't know the entirety. But we start putting those pieces together, you know, that gets corrected quickly. And it's easy to correct if you'd be willing to listen to the teaching. That's why Sunday school is so important. Sunday school is dedicated solely to teaching the topic. Teaching what we're doing. Right now, we're going through the entirety of the Bible in Sunday school. All the classes are going through the entirety of the Bible. It is amazing. Highlights throughout the script. It's great. And Pastor Legault has gotten down the time constraint in adult Sunday school. That's the hardest thing in the world to do. Brother Kevin, see, he's still struggling back there. Brother Kevin, the second, he's, he's, he's still struggling with the time constraint, Pastor. So you're doing great. Um, but that's what, trying to get that information out. 
and trying to get you to learn and to be familiar with those stories and be familiar with what happened in the past and how it's going through the scriptures. That's why it's important to be here at 9.30 and be here for Sunday school. So, oh, well, that's not important. It's important enough to God that he set it up so that you could have a time when someone was teaching. I like, I like having our Sunday school classes. Those are, they may be learning the same things that you're learning here in the adult class, but those teachers are bringing that down so that they can get it at their level and they can understand and they can be taught so that they can start to grow and get the basics of what you should know in full by the time you get in here. And that's the idea. It's so that you can grow. We'll go over back to, uh, I'll go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I mentioned that earlier. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 4. The church is important. It's important to be here because it furthers the gospel. It, it also helps you find out about the scriptures. It also is the place where we feed the flock of God. Uh, you get back there in Acts chapter 20, and I already made the reference. We already read it, right? Verse number 28, and he says, feed the flock of God. Uh, and then here in Ephesians chapter 4, I was talking about this earlier. Verse number 11, the Lord ascended up on high. He gave gifts to men there earlier. And verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Notice they went together. For the perfecting of the saints. Who in here is perfect? Uh, there we are. Say, so what's, the, what's the church for? The perfecting of the saints. Say, so how, do, how do I learn what I'm supposed to do? By sitting under some preaching and some teaching. It helps you. Now, sometimes you need some other times, and there ought to be ability to go, hey, I need some help with something. Don't understand something, or you need you got something going on, and you get help and those kind of things. But the preaching and the teaching—if you can't sit under some of that—you're having trouble growing right. It's a consistency of growth. And he says, uh, "For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God." Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. There's that, learning. So you're not children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow, uh, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from which the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We put it all together, and you know what it's for? It's for growth. It's for feeding. Uh, most people, they don't understand what goes into getting a message together. They don't understand the time and the, and the, and the you know, the work and the effort and the trying to organize it and trying to get it all prepared and get it ready. And you realize uh, if you were to go in, gentlemen, let me put it this way. Your wife goes ahead to make you dinner. And you say, well, some nights is just, you know, not much. But you know the nights where she goes ahead and she tries to make sure and she puts a whole lot of time and care to make sure that everything's just the way you want it. Right? 
You know those times. And you know she's doing that. You know it's all getting ready. And you know what she does? She gets it all prepared. She gets it ready to go. And you go, hey, I grabbed some McDonald's on my way home. I'm not hungry. Now, Brother Dave, Brother Dave and I used to work together. Brother Dave would bring lunch in. And I've heard him say on more than one occasion, yeah, fellas, I'm not ordering with you today. Say, why? If I bring this thing home full, I'm dead. (laughs) I'm going to eat the lunch my wife packed for me because I'm not going home a dead man. Right? Dead man walking. He's going home. Full lunch pail still. He's in trouble. Why do you think less of when God wants to prepare you a meal? And he tries to get it all ready. And he puts it all together. And he sets it up just so you can get what you need to eat for the morning. And what's going to give you the strength you need. And you say, well, not every meal, that, not every message. I don't remember every message, but you've got some. That if you didn't get that message right there, you know you'd have died. If you didn't get that piece right there, you were in trouble. And not every message is going to be the barnstormer, blow your doors off, make it so that you're just so fired up and you leave here and you're going to remember that message forever. But how many of you remember what your wife cooked every day of the week the last four weeks? I'm not trying to get you in trouble, gentlemen, but she probably can't even tell you what she cooked every night of the week for the last four weeks. Because sometimes it's just, I had to throw something together, and I had to make this, and I had to do that. And it was not, it was not my best work, amen? And sometimes I get up to preach, I feel like it's not my best work. And maybe that's the one that you didn't need. But maybe you realize, I do put in the effort. Pastor gets up, he's doing Sunday school. Your Sunday school teachers, they're all putting in effort. They're getting ready beforehand. They're praying beforehand. They're trying to make sure everything's going to be said just the way that it needs to be said so that they don't mess anything up in your life. The care and, the, and people go, oh, I can just skip it. <laughs> okay, then you're not getting fed. And you're not getting fed the thing God wanted you to have. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and kick some YouTube preaching uh, right now. Facebook messages and all those things. So why are you going to do that? Uh, I have no problem. Go ahead. I listen, to, I listen to a few guys every once in a while. I like their messages. Uh, sometimes I get them sent to me, and, hey, I see the title. I go, yeah, I'll listen to that one. I don't listen to every message. If I listen to every message Brother James sent me, I would never get any work done, all right? Uh, but I see the title. I go, maybe I'll listen to that one. I'm choosy about what I'll watch and what I'll listen to because I don't have all the time in the world to listen to all those things. And when you start doing that, you know what preaching becomes? You're too full of everything else and you come into church you don't have anything that the Lord wants you to get. You've taken up your time with everything else and you're in the church place where you're supposed to be. You realize the local assembly is the place where it is meant for you to get fed? I, I, one of my favorite preachers, you all know, one of my favorite preachers is Brother David Peacock. One of my favorites. Absolutely. I could listen to him and listen to him and listen to him. I love him. But you realize he is the pastor of Bible Believers Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. 
if you replace the preaching at the church with everything that he says, that's for his people. And sometimes you get out of place because you go ahead and grab all these other guys that you can listen to freely all week and you get to church and your brain's so full of all those thoughts you can't figure out what God wants you to get this morning. You realize you and I live in a day and age, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get back to this message here in just a second, but you and I live in a day and age where we can access anything. And we can get it now, and we can listen and 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 listen. You know what you just did? You overloaded your brain for what God could give you. You are not meant to listen constantly. You're not. You are not designed that way. I am all for listening to other guys preach. I'm all for listening to great music. I'm all for listening. I'm all for that. But the problem becomes we get out of balance. And we're so full of all these other things that when God actually is here to speak to the church that is assembled here at Emmanuel, we aren't getting what we need because you decided you were going to fill up with everything else before you ever got here. And you know what you did? And now I'm not trying to belittle somebody else's message. That's not what I mean. But you grabbed McDonald's before you got home. And the Lord had a meal right here. And you said, that's not good enough for me. So what's the purpose of church? To be fed. And the Lord brings you beside the stone 23. And he has you lay down in his green pastures. And he has you lay down where he needs you to lay down. That's why he put the church right here so you could lay down right here and be fed right where you need to be fed. We're a flock. We're a flock. So the flock eats together, it stays together, it moves together. Now that doesn't mean, I don't mean to say you can't listen to anybody else and all this other stuff. I love other preachers. I listen to other preachers. But don't let it consume you so much that when the time comes to eat... I don't need any of this. Well, that dude, that'll get you in trouble. Not with me. That'll get you in trouble for you, for your sake. Because you're not being able to absorb what God wants you to eat. You'll get different nutrition that God maybe didn't want you to have that day. And it wouldn't be good for your spiritual walk. I hope you understand that. That's not to say that I'm a better preacher or I'm this or I'm that or I got some amazing connection. No, it's that God wants to feed you exactly what he wants to feed you. And whether I'm up here or Pastor Legault's up here or Brother James or Brother Kevin or one of these other men or when we have Brother Fielder come in, that God's not, he's prepping them to give you what you need for the day. He does it over and over and over again. And that's what he wants to do. It's the place you come and get fed. By the way, I will say this. I got to hurry up, but I will say this too. Since I'm already making everybody upset, um, you realize, uh, you hear it all the time. Well, I just, I wasn't getting fed over there. That preacher wasn't feeding me. Okay, well, maybe. Or maybe, like I said, you were so full of everything else that you're unwilling to hear what he had. You're unwilling to, you're unwilling to listen. Anyways, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. Let's move on. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 12, I'm not going to read the whole passage just for the sake of time. 
But you'll notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we talked about it in Ephesians chapter 4, the body coming together. And he says in verse number 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not many members but one. And then you know how it goes, right? One says he's not of the body, and the other says he's not of the man, and back and forth they go, right? And the Lord chooses how he's, and we ought to be many members, but one body. Now you say, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, the church is, is the place where we come and we fellowship with the brethren. It's where the body comes together. Now I am not, I am not, uh, I'll say, I'm not a Baptist brider. I don't believe that this is a body and that's a body and this is a body. I believe in a universal, everybody who's saved is part of the body. But you and I, as a church family, as a, as a church, we picture that body universal. We're, we're a small picture, a small image of what it's supposed to be like around the world. That worldwide moment. Uh, it's pictured here. And when one member suffers, all the members ought to suffer with it. When one is, one is praised and glorified, somebody else ought, that ought to be there. You ought to be excited and encouraging. Notice he talks about, and you know what? We're now, there are many members, but we're one body. One body. You know, this is the place where we get to fellowship with each other. I like this church. Uh, we've, I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, you know, we have, we have dinner and an early service, and we're still leaving here at 8 o'clock, you know. Uh, we can't seem to leave. Nobody wants to leave. It's like, guys, I'm going home. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm done. Uh, I'm out of here. What is it? We're fellowshipping. Some of you, this, this fellowship in here is better than the fellowship you have if you were to go over to your family's house. You're closer here and you're friendlier here and you know people here better than you know your own family now because it's been so long. They don't want to deal with you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to have you in their life because you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know what happens? We become a better body here than there. We're members here. And Proverbs, right? Iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. And here you just start rubbing up against each other and getting just that great speech back and forth. And you get to figure out, oh man, this is, this is good. Takes the rust of the world off a little bit. Takes that weathered edge that started happening because you've been dealing with all the problems of your life. And you show up in here and you turn around and you find out, hey, there's some other people going through some things like me. And they've gotten some answers. They've gotten some help. Lord hadn't forsaken them. The troubles might be there, but boy, they aren't quitting. They aren't done. And so I'll stand. Hey, if they're going to stand, if they can go through that, I can go through what I'm going through. And we encourage each other. We start fellowship and we start encouraging. We start fellowshipping day in and day out over and over. It's amazing to me how close people are in this church. <laughs> Because they just fellowship. Whether they're in this building or out of this building. I run, I run across people in the church. You can ask. I mean, poor Cheryl, she keeps running into me at BJ's. I mean, honestly. Uh, she's like, 
doing? Um, we come in, you see somebody from the church. I can't tell you how many times I see somebody from the church. I'm like, oh man, hey, praise the Lord, say hello. Paul, Brother Paul, he, he saw me he, he saw me over at Tops. I was in my work gear because I was working over at Brother Mike's house. And, uh, you know, uh, he saw me in my work gear instead of my suit gear, right? And uh, <laughs> he didn't know who I was for a second. He's like, who's this weird guy shaking my hand, telling me hello? Why does he know my name, right, Paul? And but boy, then uh, he knew who I was. All of a sudden, oh, hey, pastor, yeah. Fellowship. It's not the same as the world's fellowship. Something about it lifts your spirits and picks you up and carries you for the day. It's amazing. I got I to gotta finish Matthew chapter 18, last one. Wrap it up here. The church is important because it, it goes ahead and furthers the gospel. It helps you find out about the scriptures. You're fed here. The church is the place to feed the flock of God. The church is the place to have fellowship with the brethren. The church is the place to flatter our Savior. He says in Matthew 18 and verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. You know, we have an association of people in this room, most of which you and I would probably not hang out ever. <laughs> Let's face it, I don't know how many people are in here, but really all of us would be friends. Some of you don't even like each other normal, all right? Let alone to be friends with them. I mean, if it was just personality thing, you and I, I mean, people just, we'd all be clashing. <laughs> but then you step into church and you go, yeah, but I have a Savior. And you've got a Savior. And we can meet together on the same ground that we're going to praise Him. And a little bit ago, we just were singing and we were singing and we were saying, y'all got super loud on one day. Amen. I'm okay with that. So what are we doing? Just giving them some worship. I'm a big proponent of, of corporate congregational singing. I like it. So what is that? That is your time to worship God with your own voice. Now we're sitting here and I'm preaching and you're listening, I hope. Some of you are sleeping, but some of you are listening. And hopefully you realize this is a portion of worship too. It is not worship and the word. That is garbage. That is absolute garbage. You say, why? Because you open the book to worship him. And we open the book, and right now what are we doing? Well, we give the sense of it. We preach it. We teach it. We go ahead and go through the book. And you say, what do we get? You get to worship God by listening to what he has to say to you. That's part of worship. In a moment, we're going to give an invitation. We're going to invite those that are lost. We're going to invite to come and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior if they like, and we'll answer their questions, and we'll try and help them understand, and we'll try and go ahead and show them from the Word of God how they can know forever their sins are forgiven. And there's going to be, possibly, there could be some Christians that want to come down here, and they want to pray, and they want to get things right with their Savior, or they want to come down here and just thank Him for the fact that they're in a church today, and they're not off in the world like they used to be, and doing all the things they used to do. Maybe Come down and go, Lord, I'm glad you gave yourself for the church. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for putting a church here. Thank you for preaching the word of God to me and getting me the gospel. Thank you just for being amazing to me. 
And maybe they come down here for that. I don't know what they're coming down for. I don't need to know. But when they do come, you know what it is? It's worship. That's about worship. Now what is that? That is submitting to what God asked you to do. And that's thanking Him and praising Him. That's a sacrifice of praise and worship to our God. You know, the definition of worship is showing respect and love for God, especially by praying with other people who believe in the same God. You know why church is important? It's your place to worship God. And I know you can worship at my I can worship at home. But there is something different about an assembly coming together and praising the God that gave his life to save them for all of eternity. He thinks the church was important enough to give his own blood for it. Sad to say most Christians maybe you ought to look around and say, maybe I ought to be a little more faithful. It's important to him. I better make it important to me. Let's go ahead and stand. If you're in here this morning, I don't know who's saved and who's lost. You do. You know if I ask that question, are you going to heaven? And you say anything but yes, 100%, then you aren't saved. You don't know for sure your sins are forgiven forever. And God has done everything he needs to to make sure your sins are paid for. If you'd be willing to take his payment, the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. One of the purposes of the church is to make sure that you have an opportunity to hear Jesus Christ and him crucified and what he has done for you. In a moment, we're going to start singing. I'm going to ask you to come and get my attention and let me know, hey, I don't know Jesus is my Savior. I'd like to ask some questions. I'd like to know, could you show me? And we'll open a Bible and we'll show you out of the Bible how you can know your sins are forgiven forever. A man with men and boys, a lady with ladies and girls. We'll go and we'll just show you exactly what the Bible says. We'll show you and let you know that your sins are forgiven forever. If you're in here this morning and you're saved and maybe you thought about church and you've been thinking, well, I don't know why I'm here all the time and boy, maybe this is just too much and maybe, maybe you just need to dedicate and say, Lord, I'm sorry I haven't cared about your church the way you care about it. Maybe ask the Lord to help you. Fall in love with the church. Father, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for our time together. I pray, Lord, if there is somebody lost, that they'd have the courage to step out and ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, bless the time we have in Jesus' name. Amen.